With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to The Blackout, coming to you from bellyupsports.com for a championship week ATS Pick'em Pod. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black. Alan, it is do or die time as we enter championship week, week 14 of the Pick'em Slate. How in the world are you? I'm great, dude. It's hard to believe we're already in the final week. The regular season is over, and now we've only got a select few teams left, and, uh, yeah, as you said, it's it's do or die time. It is certainly a fascinating week on the college football slate. We've got a lot of big spreads for the first time in what feels like forever in the competition because we are down to the final 10 matchups of the season and there is no selection process other than that. And at the same time, we get the opportunity where we see some familiar matchups. We certainly have familiarity with a lot of these teams, but some of these matchups have been played before already this season. And it's one of the things that we have to talk about, people making sure they recognize not to just gloss over, hey, this team looks this way, this team looks this way. But in several cases, you do have the opportunity that you've already seen these teams play one time. And it doesn't automatically mean the result's going to come out the same way. But that's something to theorize as you go and to look at and take as a significant data point as you look at these matchups. Absolutely. It's really exciting. I think there's going to be some fun football on Saturday. No doubt about it. So as we look at the leaderboard, as we said, we are kind of down to crunch time. We have a tight top three atop the ATS standings. That is something that we have not been able to save for quite some time. But our leader, William, who's been in first place for about half the season, has 74 wins. He's still in first place. He leads the way for $175, but he didn't have the best week a week ago. Trailing right behind him is a team captain, Bruce, who has $75 in the second place spot if he claims that himself, and he has 72 wins. Think about that, just two wins back after gaining three wins this past week. And in third place is myself, Thomas Black. I lead the way for $25 plus a blackout t-shirt just like the other guys. I have 71 wins on the season, and I am in third place by default because of tiebreakers right now. So I am narrowly holding off that lead, but it has been a really fun group here at the top. And Alan, it is something that right now, I feel like this thing is way more up for grabs than we thought it was going to be several weeks back. And I think I have a shot. I think another team captain, Regina, has a shot who's tied with me technically for third place. I think Bruce absolutely has a shot. And William, who's been holding down the fort up top, 
has certainly staked his claim on the first spot, but that lead has been trickling down for the last few weeks, and it's something that he's going to have to put in some really good work, I think, this week to be able to hold on to that top spot. Very much so. It's amazing how the race has tightened up over the past couple of weeks, only for it to come down to the final week. I mean, you got to love it. It's really, really impressive, and kudos to y'all. Anytime you're in the 70s at this point in the year is one heck of a year. I will document that just a little beyond what you said, because being in the 70s is impressive. But Alan, if you remember back to last season, we had 138 games that we picked in 14 weeks. That's because we had a couple of cancellations. But our winner a year ago had 73 wins in 138 games. Through 130 games this year, William has 74. Like we said a moment ago, Bruce has 72, just one shy of that number. I have 71, which matches my total from 138 games a year ago. So up at the top, we have seen increased winning percentages. We've seen more wins atop the leaderboard. The game has definitely been upped this year. It's been very impressive. I've been a part of it, but a number of people have, and certainly outdoing their performance from a year ago, and the top of the group by far and away outperforming what the top of the group did a season ago. Very much so. Well, I think we're all kind of getting the hang of it a little bit, and even though, in my opinion, the games have been much more difficult this year on both sides, both ATS and the confidence side. Yeah, it has certainly been upped in challenge, and we have seen the response with a lot of wins coming up atop the ATS Pick'em. It has been very impressive. Alan, you yourself had a very impressive week a week ago. You went 6-4 and four against the spread. You climbed to 12th place from 15th place. You're now 65-64 and 64 against the spread on the season. So as you look back on your locks and any other things that stand out, what are your thoughts on week 13 and where you stand overall just a little outside the top 10? Well, I mean, when you look at the locks from last week, the Louisville game ended up being a total bust. But midway through that game, it was going exactly how I anticipated it would go, you know, and just two awful, awful possessions. And the game changed on its head entirely. And a great, great job by Stoops and Kentucky to make that happen. But midway through the game, I'm feeling really good. Lose that one. But the big winner for me was nailing the Northwestern game on the road. I had them as my lock at plus five and a half. And ultimately, even on the confidence side, picked them to win the game outright. They did. And just an amazing job. I think their coach won Big Ten Coach of the Year, and he absolutely deserves it for all the things that had happened over the past, you know, eight to ten months in that program. For them to win seven games this year is just absolutely remarkable. So I'll take six and four. I had a couple of rough weeks in a row. So getting back to my winning ways was much better. So setting myself up for a potential top 10 finish overall in the ATS. So I could be happy with that. Definitely some good work by you. And as you said, David Braun with an incredible coaching job this season for the Northwestern Wildcats, a heck of a pick for you on the side of Northwestern plus a five and a half. That game got a little fluky with Illinois with a couple of turnovers. You got the benefit there. But then as you documented, Louisville with the close loss to the Wildcats, a couple of turnovers, the kick return for a touchdown, some wild stuff going down in some of the games we saw this weekend. 
on my side, I came away with a very underwhelming week. It was only my third week of the season where I went under 500. I went four and six. And because of it, if you remember back to last week, I was in second place, but I dropped back to third place, taking the third spot by tiebreaker. I am now 71 and 59 against the spread on the season. And my locks were hit and miss as well. I had one lock go as a win with Clemson minus seven and a half points, and it wasn't only a win for me, but it ended up being a lock party win with Zane Chapelier, where we are now two and one on the season in lock parties, so a winning record there. And then I got the unfortunate business of selling out one of my best plays last week, I thought, of North Carolina minus two and a half points at NC State, and this one never had a prayer. NC State came alive. The offense was great. There was no answer for Kevin Concepcion. The NC State defense was phenomenal, as we knew they had been all season, but I just didn't think there was going to be a chance they were going to consistently stop North Carolina, and they did for nearly the entire game. So that was an absolute bust, maybe my worst pick of the entire season. And I'll wear that one. But then you flip it over to the confidence pick and pod where I made a confidence value play for Wisconsin, moving them up in value versus what the spread indicated when we recorded on Tuesday night. I took Wisconsin at a level five confidence, and that would have encouraged everybody listening to take Wisconsin minus two and a half points on the ATS side as well. So my direct picks leading toward ATS picks by our listeners would have led them to a two and one record side-by-side with Allen's 1-1 and record a week ago. And then you look over at Zane Chapelier, who we just mentioned. He went 5-5 and a week ago. He rose to 17th in the standings from 19th the week before. He is 63-66 and against the spread on the season. And his locks went great. He was on the side with me with Clemson minus the 7.5 points as a lock party. He was on Kansas minus 6.5 points at Cincinnati. And that hit big time. And then on the confidence value side of things. He gave an upset bid for Ohio State at a level one value, very low confidence. But honestly, I think it was a really good play. And I think that there was logic on both sides of whether you wanted to take Michigan or whether you wanted to take Ohio State. Of course, Michigan coming away with a six-point win looks really good. But Ohio State did have the ball with a chance to win it late. And they were driving the field with an opportunity before the interception late. So, of course, Zane was on the Buckeyes plus three and a half, and his pick would have led people to take a loss there. But when you take away the overlap with my pick with Clemson, Zane also led people to a one and one record. So, Alan, when you go one and one, Zane goes one and one. I went two and one in leading people according to picks against the spread. As a collective, we led people to a four and three record. Nothing that's going to blow you out of your socks, but a solid winning mark that would have set people up again with three remaining games. The most likely outcomes would be one and two or two and one. So people were set up to go either five and five or six and four in a week where we saw a lot of losses. So I think that is really solid value once again, and a trend that we have set here in the back half of the season that has been really remarkable. Yeah, each of us have begun to hit a stride, and that's kind of played out in our year-over-year productivity. And week after week, it's been really good. Yeah, as you mentioned, even that Ohio State game turned on a dime. And when you look back at that North Carolina game, obviously on the confidence side, I picked that one and moved them up the board too. But I mean, geez, like who could have seen just the way that that thing played out? NC State had over 500 yards. And I know North Carolina's defense isn't all world or anything like that. 
But Brennan Armstrong, homie hadn't thrown for 300 yards almost all year combined. <laughs> and he has the game of his life. So that's just one of those things that happens. Yeah. I mean, I understand if there was somebody out there who picked NC State, right? I mean, it's a rivalry oh, game. Yeah. NC State's got a great defense. But I don't think there's anybody who's predicting that that's a blowout. And for it to go the way it did was just stunning. But, you know, I'll take it on the chin. It was a loss. It looked bad. I apologize to the people who took my advice on that one. But I do believe, if I remember correctly, I think there were a lot of people in the ATS Pick'em that were on North Carolina anyway. So I don't think it did a lot of harm to people because so many people were on the same side, but it certainly would have been one that could have been a great pick to be on the opposite side with and picking up a win while so many people took an L. Oh, very much so. It would have been very helpful to be on the other side, but I was not. I was with you confidently on that side, and yeah, it was one of those days. It certainly was one of those days. So as we move on to a new day, Alan, you did go six and four a week ago versus my four and six. So why don't you take us away with your first ATS lock of championship week with a lot of options on the board with a lot of intrigue? A lot of intrigue. This is actually something that you mentioned and sent over as one to look out for because the line has jumped significantly. Tulane versus SMU in what was going to play out to be an incredible American Conference Championship. And then news broke that Preston Stone is going to be out for this one. Both teams are 8-0 and in the conference this year, which is pretty incredible. Rhett Lashley has done a remarkable job and kind of making that program really good again a couple of years after Sonny Dykes left to go to TCU. But there is just a ton to like, in my opinion, about Michael Pratt and company with the Tulane wave that this is a team that's playing good football now they don't put a ton of points on the board but they don't have to this is a team that is able to lock down people defensively and I think that that's going to be something to really really look at as SMU tries to find themselves without their starting quarterback and somebody that's been incredibly efficient with Preston Stone Dude threw for over 3,000 yards, 28 touchdowns to six interceptions. So when you start looking at a line that was as small as it was, which is at Tulane at minus three and a half, that feels like when you lose a starting quarterback, it feels like a gimme. So I'm going to take that gimme and lock up the Tulane green wave. I like it. I considered this one. And Preston Stone being out really is a big, big factor, I think, in this game. And I think you obviously see a very different spread in this game if he's still in there. I don't know what it would be. I don't know if we're looking at Tulane maybe favored by a point or a half point or something like that, if this thing's a straight pick or maybe if we even see SMU favored. It is hard to tell what's going to happen in this game because there is not a large sample size for what's going to happen behind Preston Stone. You've got Kevin Jennings, who's a redshirt freshman, and he has thrown all of 46 pass attempts in his freshman season a year ago, his redshirt season, and now in his redshirt freshman season, he has thrown 24 pass attempts. And he's completed a high percentage of them, and he has thrown four touchdown passes and no interceptions. And that's about all you can say about the guy. But going up against a good Tulane squad, I don't feel good about picking 
a redshirt freshman quarterback without a lot of playing experience to be able to win this game, especially on the road, because the AAC allows their top team to be able to host the championship. This game is at Tulane, so I don't like the fact that this is on the road, even though the ticket split is probably 50-50, I would think is what happens for this game. I don't think it would act as a full home game for Tulane. I don't know that for sure, but I don't like the options for Kevin Jennings to probably go on the road in a sense in this game and probably win this game on the road. If this was Preston's own, I'd probably be siding with SMU and taking them, whether they'd be a small underdog or a small favorite. But in this one, I think it's probably going to be still a chance of being a really tight game, but that's going to largely depend on what Jennings gives you. On the other side, you've got Michael Pratt and the consistency of what this Tulane team offers you, both offensively and defensively. On the offensive side, I don't think they've been great, and I think SMU does have a very good defense. So I have this game more of a toss-up in my mind about which way I'm going to go, but because of the injury to Stone and because we have a young quarterback taking his place, I am leaning towards taking Tulane minus the points as well. It's just not an absolute lock in my mind, as I'm still going to toy with this and kind of look a little bit more at some things for SMU and just how good I think this SMU offense can be. Because if they can get similar production from Jennings without Stone in there, then I think there's a chance they could be in a game that's a field goal game or possibly find a way to pull off the upset. But I just think that's probably going to be hard for me to bet on when you do have a backup quarterback going up against a solid Tulane program. Yeah, this is a Tulane program that's going on, you know, two to three years straight of putting up really good seasons. It's a team that's accustomed to winning these types of games and being in these types of games. Whereas just look at the numbers themselves. SMU is a team that relied heavily on the quarterback they're running back with the top number of carries and yards has literally half the amount of carries, half the yards that the leading carrier for Tulane has. So you're thinking, okay, are they going to be able to run the ball consistently against a really good Tulane defense? And I don't know that they're going to be able to consistently do that as much. So that's one of the reasons I think it just puts a lot of pressure on that SMU offense to be able to produce some of what it's been able to produce this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a valid point. When you look at what SMU does, I mean, it's a passing offense. You know, Preston Stone came in, he'd be over 350 passing attempts on the season if he hadn't been hurt in their last game. And that is a big factor on this game, but it's a group that likes to get the ball out wide to wide receivers. And they throw the ball around a lot. And we'll just see if Mr. Jennings can do similar stuff. But I wish there was a bigger sample size to know a little bit more about this. But it's interesting to me that the spread's as small as it is because I think that says something about the respect for this SMU Mustangs team that Vegas thinks is still really solid top to bottom and, you know, one through 22 starters apart from a quarterback that's missing. Yeah, I do think that that's very fair. All right, Alan. I already mentioned that it's important to look at matchups where we have seen results before, and I am going to a matchup that we have already seen previously this year. I am looking at the Pac-12 championship for my first ATS lock, where we have the Oregon Ducks as a nine and a half point favorite versus the undefeated Washington Huskies, and I think this line is going to be very Very surprising to a lot of people. Honestly, I was a little surprised at how big it was. I thought we were going to see something a little bit closer to a touchdown, but nine and a half points 
And between a one-loss team, the Oregon Ducks, that lost on the road to Washington 36-33 back on October 14th. It's been a while since we've seen these teams go at it. But this is a matchup that, Alan, we talked about. Washington may have won the game, but Oregon outperformed Washington in many senses in that game. And we both think they should have come out on top. And I'll go back to that matchup and I'll look at some things that have been happening recently in this one to figure out what to do with a large line between two teams that were very competitive with each other the first go around. In this one, you've got Michael Penix on the side for Washington, who's been very good all season. He's one of the guys that's been a front runner for the Heisman Trophy. I don't think he's going to get it, but you do have, in addition to him, a solid running back in Dylan Johnson, who's been good, not great. But he has had a big hand in helping this team move along and stay undefeated in the second half of the season. One of the things that I'll key in on is that Michael Penix, in his first six games this season, was over 300 yards and 400 sometimes in each of the first six games. But in the last six, he's only been over 300 yards two times. That's because I think we have a Washington team that has been trending in the wrong direction offensively. We've seen them in close games against Arizona State and a shootout against Stanford and a shootout against Southern Cal and a tight game against a Utah team that's good but not great and a nail-biter against Oregon State, and then just this past week, a tight, tight win against Washington State team that hasn't been great. On the other side, you've got Bo Nix, Bucky Irving, and Jordan James at running back, Troy Franklin, who's been dynamic at wide receiver, but you've got a team that has been very dominant of late, especially following the loss to Washington on the road. They beat Washington State by a couple of touchdowns. They dominated Utah on the road. They blew out Cal. They beat... Southern Cal by 19 points, but I don't think the game was even as close as the score indicates. They dominated Arizona State on the road, and then they dominated most recently Oregon State in the Civil War game. So, Alan, you go back to that matchup we saw with Washington. They outgained the Huskies by about 125 yards, and they failed to convert any of their three fourth down opportunities. They did go plus one in the turnover battle, but really, I boiled down that first game on the road to thinking that Oregon was really three to four points better maybe even seven. I think most scenarios with the game playing out the way it did, I think most of the time Oregon would have won that game by a score and was clearly the better team in the matchup, but things just didn't go quite right. So in a game where I think Oregon has continued to be basically the same team all season and they've been very dominant and you've got a Washington team that I think is trending in a bad direction and has a bad defense, I'm looking for Oregon to produce a ton of points and I think it's going to be tough for Michael Penix and company to keep up even though they've got a lot of talent offensively. So I think the defense of Oregon slows down the run game and Dylan Johnson. I think that a lot of pressure is on Michael Penix in a passing game that is very good and gave Oregon some trouble the first time, but I am locking up the Ducks minus nine and a half points because I think they already should have won this game on the road the first time. I think they were clearly the better team, and now these teams are trending in opposite directions, and it's on a neutral site. So I very much like the Ducks minus the nine and a half points. There's absolutely no doubt that these teams are trending in two different directions. And I will 100% agree that on the confidence side of things that I will be with you on the Oregon Ducks. But on the ATS side, with it at nine and a half, that's a weird number for me because I could see Washington doing a backdoor cover type of thing. But most likely, I'm going to be on the same page as you are. Most likely. There is a 
outside chance. I go the other way and just think, you know, I could just see Michael Penix having one heck of a day. But everything else leads you to believe that Oregon should be the pick here. And it definitely will be the case on the confidence side. I understand that. When you look at Dan Lanning and his track record of what he's done at Oregon, for the most part, it's all been very, very impressive. And I think he's got a much better defense this year than he did a year ago. And with his ultra-aggressive nature, we saw that kind of backfire in the game in Husky Stadium where they went for fourth down all over the place. They didn't convert a single one of them. One of them was down on the goal line near the end of the first half where they could have just kicked a field goal. They didn't do it. And I think if they just flip a couple of those things – Obviously, we're seeing a different result that would have happened on the road in that game. So I think there's a great chance that the Ducks cover this spread. Again, I think the first matchup, that was a better version of Washington, and I think the Ducks were one possession better, even though they lost the game. Now that we get a worse version of the Huskies, I think there's every opportunity for Oregon to win this game by two scores or more. And I think in most scenarios, we probably see that happen this weekend. So I'm looking forward to it, but it's going to be a game that I am going to watch very, very closely to see what Oregon does. And this is a good reminder for everybody listening to this. This is a game that happens on Friday night. For those of you who are subscribed to our Patreon account and you are paying for different advantages that we give you, when you look at the Confidence Pick'em spreadsheet, I have two games on there highlighted. It's the Liberty-New Mexico State game in the Conference USA Championship, and it's this one with Oregon and Washington in the Pac-12 Championship. That's just a reminder that those two games kick off on Friday night. So if you are listening to this, even if it's especially late in the week, and say you're listening to this like Friday morning or Friday afternoon, make sure you jump on both the Confidence Pick'em on ESPN and the ATS Pick'em over on CBS Sports and log picks for both of those games because we see this each and every year, Alan. There are people who miss those Friday night games and Conference Championship Week, and it's a big penalty to pay, especially if everybody else picks the games right. You potentially lose value, and it's one that you don't want to miss this time, especially on the confidence side because I think there are opportunities to pick up a lot of points possibly on Friday night. Yeah, very much so. You've got to have those in by Friday night. There's too much to lose. All right, Alan, where are you going for your second ATS lock this week? All right, my man, I'm going to what I think is going to be a pretty fun championship game down to the state of Alabama for Appalachian State trying to play spoiler at the Troy Trojans. This is a team in the Sunbelt Championship with the Troy Trojans that I've leaned on before in the ATS pickums and have definitely taken care of me. Appalachian State is very much playing their best football of the year, and it's not even close. I mean, they've been playing way above their head where they were earlier in the year. But will it be enough in a game that, Really, they should be in. They're only in this game because James Madison is ineligible to play in the game. So how does Troy match up against a fairly explosive offense? I think you have to look back at how Troy is held up against other explosive offenses. And to be honest, it's been pretty doggone good. This is a team defensively that is rugged and it's hard for people to score on them. They held the same James Madison team that actually Appalachian State beat a couple weeks ago in overtime. They held them to 
16 points. It's a team that beat Texas State like a drum on the road. Now, that Texas State win doesn't seem all that impressive now, but it's a game that mattered at that point in the year. They beat Georgia State handily. This is another game where the conference leader was actually able to host this game. At a minus six and a half point spread, I love that number because it gives you enough wiggle room that if it ends up only being a touchdown game, then you still got it. So that's the reason, alongside the fact that this defense, I think, is the one that can slow a hot Appalachian State team down. And I think that's exactly what they do this weekend. And they're able to score enough against a team that is not necessarily known for great defense. So I'm locking up the Troy Trojans. Well, I can't blame you. And I believe that I'm going to have the same pick this week. As of Tuesday night, as we record, I've got the Troy Trojans selected minus the six and a half points as well over on CBS Sports. But it is with the caution that, as you said, this Appalachian State offense has really been cooking as of late. You know, the fact that they pulled off the upset against James Madison, the fact that they dominated Georgia Southern just recently, Georgia State even before that, it's been an impressive run for Appalachian State and a team that got off to a slow start this season. So even though it's unjustified that they're in the Sunbelt Championship game, as you documented, I have been pretty impressed with what this team has done of late. Joey Aguilar at quarterback has been really, really good. When you flip yeah, it yeah. over to the other side with Troy, You've got good play at quarterback with Gunnar Watson. This is a team that's fairly balanced offensively, and really you can say the same thing about both teams. I think both of them are going to have a lot of success in this game, probably at times, but I am going to lean on the Troy defense for getting stops because the defense is very good on that side of the ball versus an Appalachian State team that has really struggled at a lot of times this season, and I think Troy presents the success likely offensively that they should be able to move the ball, score points on Appalachian State, and I think the priority then is going to fall on the Mountaineers for being able to keep up in this game. But on the side with Troy, you've got good quarterback play. You've got good running back play with Kamani Vidal as well. He's run for nearly 1,350 yards on the season. They've got some playmakers. And while it's not an overly impressive offense, I think they're decent in the run game. And I think that gives them the opportunity to have a good day on the ground, even against a bad Appalachian State run defense. So, I will be siding with you. I think the fact that it's at Troy is a big help as well, but I likely will fall on Troy minus the six and a half points. It's one that I feel pretty solidly about them winning this game. It's just this Appalachian State offense is so good that I have a little bit of hesitation with that, but I do like the side of Troy and the fact that they have such a good defense, the fact that they're playing on their home field. Yeah, it makes a difference being able to play on your home field you know, I'm not saying that Appalachian State's not going to score some on them. They are. But if their defense wasn't up for the test, I don't think I would be on this side, as well as the ability with Gunnar Watson to be able to be efficient. I feel pretty good about this one. Love it. Alan, I am looking for my second ATS lock of the week at the Big 12 Championship, the final run inside the Big 12 as we know it because we have Texas and Oklahoma moving off to the SEC after the season. But in this one, we've got Oklahoma State as a 13.5-point underdog versus the Longhorns. And I'm going to look at some keys that I think are very important that we have seen of late. With Texas, you have a team that is still – 
holding an outside shot at the college football playoff. I think the updated rankings here on Tuesday night do not do them any favors, but I think they've got a lot of motivation in this game, and a conference championship gives them another data point that they can put out there. And I think there's a chance that with the right type of results inside the top five in some of these conference championships, and I think with a very important game for Texas with a very good performance, they could possibly slide into the top four. So we'll see what happens this weekend. But I do like how this Texas team comes into this game. It's because a week ago against Texas Tech, they absolutely dominated the Red Raiders 57 to 7 going up on their home field against Texas Tech. I think Steve Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers are going to put up a lot of yards in this game. And admittedly, I do have a question mark about Texas because they have had a problem with having to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns. But when they go up against a bad Oklahoma State defense, one that really can't stop much of anything in the run game or the pass game, I like the opportunity for Texas to put up a bunch of points. So the question is, does Oklahoma State make this a shootout, or do they possibly get blown out? I think those are a couple of viable options in this game. But you look at the Cowboys, who in recent weeks have had some questions. They lost that blowout game against UCF 45-3. to They won in a nail-biter game at Houston 43-40, to one where they trailed 23-9 to early. And then this past week, a win against BYU in double overtime, 40-34, to but one where they trailed 24-6 to at halftime. Allen, I think this Oklahoma State team is fortunate because of how they've played of late to even be here in the Big 12 championship. And give them credit. They've earned it, and they've been solid this season. And Mike Gundy has pulled out a kind of work of art in getting Oklahoma State here. But this offense is so reliant on Ollie Gordon being really good. They're going up against a really good Texas defense against the run. When you've got guys like Tavondre Sweat and Jalen Ford and Anthony Hill, I think there's a great opportunity that Texas's defense has success in this game. And I don't think there's any way Oklahoma State's defense is slowing down Texas. So it's going to be more of a matter of do the Longhorns have a hard time scoring in the red zone and things like that. But Again, the Oklahoma State defense has not been good all season. So when you look at the Cowboys team that has an okay passing game with Alan Bowman and an average group of receivers, I think a lot of pressure is going to be put on him because, again, I don't think Gordon's going to have the success that he's had most of the season in his biggest games. So I, even though it is a big spread, I'm locking up the Longhorns minus 13 and a half to go score a ton of points and I think that when you look at Sark and company, I think they're going to want to put up a big number in this matchup. And I think that's going to leave them putting starters in for much of this game. And I think they're going to be very happy with winning this game big and giving themselves a shot at the college football playoff. I think that this will be a 10 to 14 point game. So I'm not blocking you by any means, but I do think I may end up on the side of the Cowboys in this one. Because over the past couple of weeks, they have not played their best ball. But when this team is motivated to play, they have played really, really well. The biggest key in this game is can they run the ball? If they are able to, then they are going to stay in this game. I'm going to bank on that they're going to be able to run the ball enough to keep it to exactly two scores. I don't think they're necessarily a threat to win, 
but I, I'm going to be on the side of the Cowboys in this one only because I agree with you that the Longhorns are most likely going to be pressing. And I think that ends up working against them. They potentially could come out a little bit tight and they've been playing some really close games themselves. The only game that's not been really close in the past four games was the Texas Tech game. But this is a team that has played in several close games of late alongside Oklahoma State, as well as taking a big fat L at UCF and a weird one. Because of that, I'm going to lock up the Cowboys. So I'll be on the opposite side of that one. So it should be interesting to see. I think that's fair. And to what you're saying, I think there's going to be a lot of people in our pick'em contest on the Cowboys plus 13 and a half. I don't have any hesitation in that because I think people are going to see the big number. I think they're going to see the records of these two teams. I think they're going to see what you just said about the close nature of a lot of these games. But I'll point to where you talk about what Texas has done in their most recent games. Of course, you gave me a little bit of credence with what you said about the blowout win against Texas Tech, but I'll give you the fact that they had a close game on the road against Iowa State. They only won by 10 points. They had a close game, only winning by three on the road at TCU, and some of those things are a little concerning, but when you look at those games, they built up a big lead against TCU and then kind of let it evaporate late. And when you look against Iowa State, that's a team with a good defense and one that I think there was certainly a lot of question as to whether Texas was going to have a great offensive performance. And I think there were opportunities where Texas could have won that game by more than it really did. I think the performance was pretty good. But again, give Iowa State some credit for keeping that thing kind of tight on the road. It's just with this Texas team, I think they've gotten off to really good starts and even when you rewind it back to the game against Kansas State that we had in the pick'em that they won in overtime, that was the one where Quinn Ewers was out. They only win this game by three, but that's the one where Texas had the opportunity to get out to a big lead, and it could have been a blowout in the first quarter and a half, and they just kind of slipped up in a couple of areas. So I do think that Texas has, even though they've had some tight games, I think they have consistently gotten off to hot starts. And on the opposite side, when you look at a Cowboys team that has started ultra slow in three straight games, I think it is a great opportunity for Texas to really put some fuel on the fire and get the opportunity to get a big win. So I think the consistency is a bit of a question mark for me with Texas, but I do think the talent advantage is big. And I think I'm going to rely on that and the need for a big performance, along with the fact that they did just perform very, very well against Texas Tech over the holiday weekend, like you talked about. Yeah, and they absolutely did. They performed very, very well that Friday night. They were incredibly impressive in that game. But there's something about Gundy in this type of game where he just finds a way to make it weird, bro. (laughs) You know, he won the last game against Oklahoma before they leave. And I think he's going to be incredibly motivated to try to ruin Texas's hopes, too. So this is one that I'm absolutely going to be tuning into because it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, and everything you just said, I agree with. And it's a lot of the reason why I considered not making this a lock because there are so many funky type things that can happen in this type of a matchup. But I don't know. I just don't like the vibes of where Oklahoma State is. I really like where Texas is, and I think it's going to be a fun matchup either way. But if I end up having an opportunity where – Texas is settling for a bunch of field goals and there's turnovers involved, you're probably absolutely on the right side. I just don't think we're going to see a whole lot of that. So it'll be fun to watch. But another one where I'll also point out, this is not something that I rely on as a 
confirmation or something that I absolutely follow when I make my picks. But the spread that's live has trended up to this point on Tuesday night to Texas minus 14 and a half. So it's kind of tipping on that 14 point total like you talked about, Mm -hmm. because you talked about it being a 10 to 14 point game. And I think that's totally fair. But the people out there in the public who've been betting on this have betted up to 14 and a half. So there's people kind of towing that line of is it 14 is it 17 kind of thing so I'm not saying that's the reason I'm making this pick but it's something to take note of and by the time you're listening to this maybe that's flipped back down and maybe we're looking at this thing being more like 14 or 13 and a half but that'll be something to watch and uh, something to key in on as kind of an influencer but I don't think make your pick based on that but you know it is interesting that Texas is now favored by 14 and a half versus the 13 and a half point line that we have it is I think that kind of stuff is very fascinating Totally. Alan, it's been fun. This has been a blast of a season, but if you're listening to this and you haven't been tuned into the show on a regular basis, or if you have not listened to us consistently this season, that's okay. We have locks on a weekly basis, and that is temporarily going away because we have to close up the season with the conference championships, but then we move into bowl season where we have everything kick off again. And that means we're going to have an ATS pick'em over on ESPN.com. We're going to have a confidence pick'em with all the bowl games on ESPN.com. And if you are listening to this, but you're not subscribed to our email list, that's where group invitations go out. So sign up there. If you want to invite new people to join, sign them up on the email list. That's where we'll send out the group invitations. And we're going to have the prizes that we talked about at the beginning of the show, $175 for first place, $75 for second place, $25 for third place, plus blackout t-shirts for everybody. You're going to have the opportunity to compete for those again. And Alan, Zane, and I will be giving out our picks, at least initially. We're putting a plan in place. We're going to be putting out our picks on Patreon Free ones for those of you who follow our Patreon as a free subscriber. So jump on there and become a free subscriber if you want our ATS locks. And then for our confidence value picks, that'll go out as a paid post. So that'll go out in written form, both on Patreon, and it'll be sent out on the email to our walk-on, Jorge, plus our team captains as well. So, Alan, there is a lot going on, and bowl season is a blast. But because... My household has a baby on the way. As we talked about last week, there's a lot going on, and we cannot tell exactly what the next couple of weeks are going to look like. That's why we're doing written picks, but we're going to get to that stuff as well. So if you're not in those pick'em groups, go ahead and join because the invitations are out there. But, Alan, it's going to be a blast, and it is going to be a lot of fun to look at as we move through bowl season with a lot of picks coming out from the three of us and an opportunity for a lot of competition at the top of these pick'em boards as well. I love bowl season, and here's the hoping I can have another year like I did last year. (laughs) If you don't understand what the man is talking about, it's because Allen dominated the confidence pick'em, took first place. He finished in the top 800 in the world. I believe it was the 99.6th percentile. You also finished in third place in the ATS pick'em, so you absolutely dominated more so than anybody else the bowl season a year ago. And... Another promo out there, if you haven't ever caught the word before, when Alan finishes amongst the top three, or I do, or either of our spouses, or Zane, that's five opportunities that you get the chance to win when we win. That's if you are a paying subscriber at either the walk-on tier or higher over on Patreon. You contribute money to the pot. 
like we are doing on a regular basis now with our current subscribers. You add to that on a regular basis, we'll see the prizes get bigger, and you'll get a cut of the prizes when we win. So right now, that is done for the regular season. I'm not going to allow somebody to slip in and just take a chunk if I finish in the top three or my wife finishes in the top three because we're the biggest threats right now on either side. But if you want to get a part of that for bowl season, jump on today. You'll get those picks as we send them out, whether by audio recording or written picks as well. And you'll get the opportunity to share in the prizes if we win them. You'll also get our tips on how we jump up and compete at the top of these groups. Alan, it's a blast every single time. This regular season has been awesome. But bowl season is a whirlwind. And I cannot wait to get to it here over the next couple of weeks. I know it, man. It's going to be fun. And I love that if you call them stakeholders or shareholders, they win when we win. That's a good way of doing business. It absolutely is. And stakeholders, shareholders, I am all good with that because any way you want to look at it, those things are all true. So we do appreciate every one of you that's jumped on there. And we do have a confidence pick pod that's coming up next where those people who are already subscribed at the walk-on or the team captain level, you're going to get access to that as you always do. And if you want access to those picks, we'll be sharing those as well, because there is a lot of movement available on the confidence pick board for those people that are right there in contention for those spots. So Alan, it's going to be a blast. Can't wait to do it. And we'll see what kind of picks we have on that side after a lot of discussion across championship here on the ATS pick pod. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.